0: listening to the Down the Pub podcast Canada's premier football show head to downthepub.ca to subscribe so you never miss an episode to this episode of the down the pull podcast we are we're joined by caldas sc player and former calvary player Maro istakio
1: perfect
0: hey awesome thanks for, thanks for coming on the show man we really appreciate it
1: oh no thank you guys for having me it's always a pleasure
0: uh, and we're joined by our regular bar fly, carlos benitez welcome back again carlos thank you very much anthony thank you Mauro istakio Thanks there for coming go. to the show. Really? Uh, I tried, I tried. Uh, so um, first question I have for you, man, is uh, how's things in Portugal with the pandemic and restrictions and all that kind of good, uh, bad stuff, I should say?
1: Um, to be honest, right now we're going through in a sense of maybe our, our second hit. Um, obviously, when, once this all started back in March, um, it was really bad. People didn't really know what to do. Everybody kind of you know, hit the panic button. Uh, without really knowing uh, what you should and shouldn't do, you know what the whole thing was really about. Um, and then, obviously, you know, summer in Portugal here was everybody forgot about it. Um, to be honest, you know, people started doing the regular lives. So obviously, there's a couple of restrictions, but I mean, the country had to move. You know, restaurants were open, um, uh, bars were open. Thing, you know, people had to make their money, and obviously, it was vacation time, so. A lot of uh, families went back home to, uh, you know, their, their local towns and, and, and whatnot. And obviously, with, with that effect during the summer, you know, September, October, November, um, you know, the, the cases really went up. Uh, so right now, there's actually, we're on, uh, we've been doing this for actually two weekends now. Uh, we go from lockdown to basically from Friday to Tuesday because we have, um, we have two holidays the first of december and the 7th of december um so you know the government has really uh, put us in the sense of in lockdown where uh you can only really leave your house after 1 p.m if you have to either work or emergency or groceries or whatever it is um but yeah so if if, if you don't have one of uh, those reasons you you go back home so again like it's one of those things. It's, it's shocking to say that people are getting used to it. People are getting used to staying home. Obviously it's winter time here too. Um, it it would be normal to stay home. Um, but yeah, there, there are restrictions. Um, you know, obviously smaller leagues in in Portugal aren't really playing. It's only the professional leagues and the semi pro. Um, but yeah, I mean, it it is what it is. We've, we've adapted and trying to live our life uh, the best way we can.
0: Uh, in England, they've uh, just recently allowed fans back in 2000 into the stadiums. Are, are fans allowed into the stadiums there in Portugal?
1: Not yet. Um, so it, it, it's funny because now all of a sudden every club has about, you know, 50 employees. You know, it, it, like, oh, like what do you do at the club? I'm, I'm the turf guy. I'm the field guy. What do you do? I do the laundry. And all of a look. You're playing, you're looking at the stands, and you have, like, 50 people over there, you know? So, they say we don't. Everybody kind of manages to get in. Um, but officially, legally, um, there hasn't been. There has been, uh, for the national team, they've already opened, uh, opened doors for a bow. I think it was the same thing. I think it was, like, two, 3,000 people. Uh, things went well. Um, I do believe, come January, um, it'll... You know it'll open up again obviously not full stadiums but um it will open up again and and again uh if things go well in England um I feel like it, you it, you only really need the first one to, to take that big step and obviously the Premier League being the league it is and how organized and how powerful they are um obviously if they take the first steps if it, if it goes well I feel like everybody else will follow. in
0: a, a lot of uh employees using like holding flares and stuff like that right
1: yeah. <laughs> Man. <laughs> but yeah so it, it's, we actually mentioned that a couple of weeks ago in the locker room like, all of a sudden like people are supporting their local clubs because they can't go to the big game so they're like well you haven't been here in like 30 years so how did, they,
0: how did they, the move to Caldas come about like I know you're playing for Calvary last year and um, what's the city like itself
1: um yeah so actually it's we've um you know uh, my relationship with college is, has been a has been a long one uh, in the sense we've we've dated for a long time <laughs> Now was over and uh, when it's, I was at work.
2: It's your it's your high school sweetheart
1: basically you know. <laughs> every time when i would come back either from the states or or, or canada um that's where i would train right because it would be mid season you know i'd get you know from november to february um I'd get my training uh, done out there with the team. They were mid season. So it was good to keep fit and whatnot. Um, and, and it's funny because after every year, they're like, well, do you want to stay? Like, try and figure things out. Like, do you want to stay? Do you not want to stay in this and that? And there's this one year actually I was really tempted to stay. Um, they were doing really good in the cup. They actually managed to go to the semifinals. And I was just like, oh, was like this is a great opportunity. Um, but again, the, you know, I, I feel good in Canada and uh, the clubs where I've passed, I've uh, I have good things to say about them. And obviously, you know, when once you leave um, the club, you kind of know if they want you back or not. And, and I had everything settled to, to pretty much go back to Penn FC that year. Not go back, but to sign for them. Um, so I told him I was like, listen, I'd love to. Obviously, you guys are doing, you know, the run that you guys are doing in, in the cup with TV games, playing first division there was fans back then. So you're talking about a third division team and I think it was like seven or 8,000 pretty much in season, off season, like in cups, it was always packed. Right. So I was just like, well, who doesn't want to play? Right. Who doesn't want to play in these environments? Um, so, yeah, like I said, I, I, I was with them for, for both three, four years training there, coming back to Canada training there. And then all of a sudden, you know, this year it just, it just worked out. Um, I was actually, I uh, had everything sorted out to go back to, to the calves. Um, obviously with my recovery, my knee recovery and, you know, not really knowing when the CPL was going to start. Um, I started looking at other options. Uh, and then again, coming back from a, a, a knee recovery, I didn't really want to um, put my body on the line in the sense that I didn't want to play, you know, three games in a week. Um, for basically two and a half, three months, whatever it was, right? So it was just like, might as well take one step back now and then, you know, do two or three forward. Um, so, you know, obviously I talked to Tommy and Nash at that time and obviously the medical staff there, and um, we all agreed that it, it wasn't the best, right? Because, again, I worked so hard on the, on this recovery and I, f- I felt really good. And to be putting myself on the line, you know, one thing it's doing it, once a month, once, you know, twice, twice, and you know, twice a month here and there. Another thing is to do it consistently. And I didn't think my body was ready for it. Um, obviously it's a big impact, obviously being on turf. There's just a ton of small things that um, I just wasn't, wasn't comfortable and I didn't want to you know run that risk. Uh, and then, yeah, this opportunity with Caldash, um opened up. Um, again, it, it's a great place. It's a great organization. Um, it's not too far from, uh, from home. It's about a 30-minute drive, so it's nothing. And, um, and again, it's, it gives me – well, at that time, it was supposed to give me the opportunity to play in front of my friends and family. It hasn't yet. <laughs> but, but, yeah, no, I'm really enjoying it here.
0: That's awesome, man. Uh, yeah, it's like uh, I, I don't think – we saw so many injuries in the, the, the Island Games. Like, I think you made the right decision, to be honest with you. Uh, yeah. It's, yeah, it was kind of crazy. Uh, Carlos,
1: yeah, what's a lot of people, a lot of people in sports in general, right? People think, Oh, you got to be active. You got to be healthy. You got to do this. You got to do that. Professional sports is everything, but healthy. You put your, you put your body on the limit yeah. where your body's not even supposed to be, you know, you're not supposed to, we weren't in a sense made to do these head on clashes, you know, elbows flying right and left, you're sprinting, you're tackling, you're getting back up and, it's just it is what it is. It's just a passion, right? I mean, you deal with it, you move on. But uh, but yeah. Mara,
2: I have a question for you. Um, you're from Nazareth. Exactly. How do you say that in Nazareth? Nazareth. Yeah. Does that, does that mean like Nazareth, the city uh, of the worldwide famous son Jesus.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, it is nothing. We have nothing to do with it. We have our yeah. own, <laughs> own saints, but, but yeah.
2: Right on. So, as, speaking of religion. Um, Nazareth in Portugal, it's also, football is a religion there too. Um, my question to you is, how's life? How, how's the support of life in, in in Nazareth? When you started, I know uh, as uh, when you were in the U-20 or U-19, maybe I'm mistaken, you play with top midfielder Bernardo Silva, now Manchester City. Can you tell us more like, as a kid, how was playing with that legend?
1: Um, yeah, I mean, back then we all we all knew you know, all these players that um, are now today at the highest level of, of football. You know, they're, they're idols to, to many youngsters. They're, they're you know, you have know, guys like Pep Rodio, Mourinho, all these, you know, Tuchel, you got all these mm-hmm. big name coaches saying a million great things about them, right? And I was, I was fortunate enough to, I did my U, I think it was between my, between, U17 to U20s, around that time, um, I played for um, not a local club, but a club here close to me, was, which was Union Lidia. And mm-hmm. uh, back then, they were their first team was first division. And their junior team, um, that's what we call them here, the, the junior team, mm-hmm. they, they were in first division of the junior league. Yeah. Uh, that's how it works here in Portugal. And, you know, we were – um, playing against Benfica, Porto, Sporting, all these, Vitória Guimarães, Marítimo, Nacional, all these players, uh, all these teams, we were playing against them, you know, and I was, they're, they're back in the day, and still now, like they say that the 93 generation was the generation of, um, of gold for Portugal. Um, obviously, Bernardo's in 94, but I caught Bernardo Silva, Andre Gomes, João Mário, uh, not Sanchez. Uh, who else did I, did I get? Um, Thiago Lodi that was at Liverpool. Juan Carlos was at Liverpool. Mm-hmm. Um, just a bunch. Juan Cancelo. Who? When uh, Dia- comes later, but he was part of the part of the picture um, at that time. Um, just a bunch of guys that you know that are playing at top levels now, and I'm just like. Wow, like I played against these guys. You know, I, I remember, <laughs> it's nothing to brag about, but I remember elbowing Andre Gomez in the middle of a game and they're just wow. a big crap. I'm That's just like, amazing. Years later, I'm just like, oh, this guy's playing, you know, at Valencia and then went to Barcelona. And I'm like, wow.
2: Well, let me tell you, if you were elbowing Quaresma, if he wasn't that generator, he would elbow you back.
1: I, I, anyway. I wouldn't. I wouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't um, even go there.
2: <laughs> so, another uh, question uh, for you is um, you were signed for Ottawa, I think, in 2014, um, because uh, Rich Ryan got injured? I think so. Uh,
1: no, actually, I, 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 I was part of the squad right off the bat. Um,
2: Be- before, yeah. But you were, you, were, you were kind of like the natural replacement for him in case like he got injured or something. Exactly. So, you made your debut there, uh, replacing uh, Rich Ryan. I think it was that uh, you play, you have privilege experience in, in Portugal playing, etc. We all know your resume. But Ottawa Fury was kind of like that. Break but my
1: professional, your professional, professional
2: outside, you know, even actually. though you live in Canada for a while, then you went back to Portugal, then back uh-huh. to Canada professionally for your first team. So, how do you feel about this? Because I know the pressure playing in Portugal is way different than the pressure playing in the USL, their supporters and everything, but the level is different. Um, oh, oh, European football was going to be on top of North American, um, eventually it will progress or so will be balanced, uh-huh. but. Um, how do you feel that, especially replacing a, a, a player like, like Rich Ryan? Like, do you feel a lot of pressure, especially like debuting, you know? Um, yeah, was- I mean,
1: yeah, of course. Obviously, uh, that first year in, in Ottawa was, you know, it, it, it was actually amazing. You know, being able to, um, we created a club. You know, we, we were there when the stands were getting built. We were there when the turf was getting placed, you know, we were, we walked around, we gave, we had like a, a preview of, of a stadium, you know, it was still under construction. Um, so to be able to see how that was to where it went three years after when I left, I was just like, wow, this is amazing. Um, and I went there through Mark Dos Santos uh, and Phil Dos Santos, they were in a sense my, my connection to go there. Um, Phil was my coach for the U20. So that's how they, they kind of knew about me. Um, but yeah, I was, I was their project. Honestly, I, I was the, probably the youngest guy on the squad and I was just like, okay, like he, literally Mark, Mark brought me and Richie into the, into the, uh, his, his office. Mm-hmm. He was like, moral, he's going to play every game. If he's fit, if he's not fit, I'm going to put you in, but I want you to literally, we have the term, like, I want you to be a sponge, whatever he tells you, whatever he do, he does. Your job is to absorb it. You know? And that's – and then, obviously, you know, that day came. It was – at the beginning, like, first two months, I was like, I'm done with this. I want to leave. Like, I wasn't even making the bench. I was like, I'm 20 years old. I need to play. Like, I was, I was playing in Portugal, third division. I was like, I, I want to play. And, again, every player thinks he deserves more than what he actually deserves in a sense. Um, but, yeah, <clears throat> that opportunity came. Um, it actually went uh, super well. I was obviously, again, due to work that I, I did – you know, previously during those, those other months and whatnot, I was confident in myself. I was confident in what I had to do to help the team. And, and it was great, obviously. You know, Richie is probably one of the best guys I've, I've ever played with. Just great in the locker room. His left foot is, is a wand, honestly. The way, just the way he thinks about the game is just – it's amazing. We have and,
2: him on the show, too. Like, he, he's a, a really nice lad.
1: Yeah. Right. Richie for me, he, and he knows, he's like, he was like my dad, you know, like everybody's like, Richie, why this, why that, why this, why that? And I have, I have actually had like a characteristic pass, which is like, you know, just whip it around the corner, you know, first touch, whatever it is. And I got that from him because my man was hitting those since day one. I was like, how do you do this? I remember like trying the first couple of you know, weeks, I'm like tripping all over the ball, balls going, you know to section E and I'm like, this guy's whipping them right on the floor perfectly. So yeah, it, it was good. I mean, the, the pressure, obviously, it was always there. I was a youngster. Um, we, we did have fans and actually the level in the NESL uh, was a very, very high level. I was surprised when I got here, um, when, I, when I got there. But NASL, honestly, for me, it was, it, it's sad that the league um, folded, but it was a great league.
2: He didn't intimidate him. He didn't tell you, you never, you better don't fuck up. You know, those Irish how are, sorry, Anthony. Never. Never.
1: <laughs>
0: we, we, we are the worst. It's true.
1: <laughs> so honestly, one- honestly, it was, it was like, it was one of those mutual respects. He's like, it, it, if I messed up, he would be, he would be the first one. to be like, smart enough. Let's go. Like, but again, like, and that's something I learned too is everything can be said and you could pass your message by saying whatever you want, it just depends on how you say it, right? In a sense, yes. pardon my French, but I could tell you to fuck off. Either I tell you to fuck off or I tell you some other way for you to understand or not be as grumpy with me later or whatever it is, you know? So there's he was a ways. great teacher. He was a great teacher. The communication was, was amazing.
2: Of course. There's always two ways, right? I say, you better don't fuck up or would you please don't fuck up? You know, yeah, there's always that yeah. would you please. Exactly. Uh, this is more about a uh, uh, primera league in general um, I feel like back in the 90s um, a lot of talents from South America and also Europe that you know these guys need to pull off because these guys are gonna have a bright future they are a diamond that needs to be pulled off they normally went to PSV in Netherlands to the 80Vs, you know to just to kind of like market themselves and then the biggest club okay I need this guy back because I want to Play him in the main squad now that he gained mm-hmm. expertise. I feel like now in modern football, it's Primeira Liga in Portugal. A lot of talent are going to that to, to that, league that They're playing for for your Benfica, for your Sporting Lisbon. So I just want to know your take about this because I know it's a very passionate league. There's like three divisions there, and yes. it's a league. I feel like if that league deserves the right marketing like market that league, like it's La Liga, like it's a Premier League, like it's the Bundesliga, it could be one of the top-notch leagues. Um, it's just right there. So I just want to know your take on that one.
1: For me personally, it's, you, have, you have top-notch uh, world-class teams in Portugal, obviously, you know, yeah. one of the three big ones, the Sporting Porto. You do have now Braga, which has you know, been growing Sporting in the last maybe seven, eight years. Um, yeah. But you have, you, have Bimarães, you have, but you have a lot of clubs that the structure, in a sense, they, they own, there was a couple of years that they didn't, but now they, they tend to stay in their lane, in a sense that they know what they have to do. They have to buy young, talented to sell so they could survive. And, and I don't, like... exactly. And I don't think I don't think Portugal will ever be a top league due to that. I don't think there's a budget. Um, obviously, you know, big teams, they pay well and whatnot, but they can't, you know, you're probably talking about Benfica is probably has a lower budget than Leeds United, who got promoted last year. Mm -hmm. And you're still talking about a Champions League team that, you know, this year is not, but normally go into the next phase. Porto now just went to the next phase, tied uh, City, you know, so it's one of those things, there is quality. I just don't think that. There's a market, first of all, because you'll have first division teams. Um, sadly to say, where you know, like a a Stondel, you'll probably have you know five hundred thousand people in stands. Obviously, in 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 clubs, they they can't. It's not off that money that they're going to be paying the salaries, right? They have good good TV deals. They have good sponsors and whatnot. So, in, in my opinion, it's they're starting Portuguese teams are starting to know what they're good at. They're starting to understand that that's they're a trampoline league in a sense. They go get young players from, in a sense, lower, lower leagues. They use for the Portuguese league, the Portuguese league for players to, in a sense, jump on that trampoline to then go to the EPLs, to the La Ligas, to, you know, wherever it is, they want to, they want to make in a sense more money or get into playing to a higher level. Um, so, yeah, I think budget, um, is always going to be you know the main factor because uh, again you, you have Joan Felix Ruben Diaz Joan Concil Bernardo Silva Andre Gomes Knut Sanchez these are all players Thiago Dantes they just signed for Bayern these are all players that they could play at Fica, but they're leaving at 18-19 obviously being sold for 30 million when they literally cost the club maybe 500,000 yeah. you know so it, it's the revenue the, the money that they make off players is is big, um, and again, you have two of the best schools in, in the world, you know, Sporting, where you, you got your Figos, your Simón Sobrosa, your, your Ronaldos, your Coresmas, um, yeah. you had all those guys coming out of there, you know, you're talking maybe about 15, 20 years, Nani, and now you have the Benfica school, you know, where the Felix, um, Bernardo Silva, Cancelo, Andre Gomes, you know, all these young players that we have two of the best schools in the league, in the world.
2: It, it's true because um, I'm from Peru and, and they signed Andre Carrillo, one of the, our top um, Sporting signed him. And thanks to Sporting, he got uh, signed by Benfica and then he, yeah. made, he, he made his move to the Premier and then now he's playing in, in, in Saudi Arabia, but it, it's how it is. It's just that. that too. And I'm assuming yeah. you're a Benfica fan because Benfica, I think, is the best club, even yeah, though I'm a Cristiano Ronaldo
1: For me, it's Benfica, yeah. There even you go. In other words, I think he's either he's Irish or he's Scottish. Ryan Gold. Mm-hmm. He, he, he actually played with, with Richie at Dundee. But same thing. He was, a, he, was, he was a youngster when he came to Portugal. He was at Sporting for five or six years. Um, and now he's, he's the captain at Ferenc. And, you know, he, 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 he he's more what we say here. Where's number 10? Where's the captain's armband? You know, hits, free kicks, penalties, whatever it is. And he's a top guy. You know, a top the total player. total package. Exactly. So. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I feel like they've kind of fallen into the same kind of level as like Holland where you've got Ajax and PSV and they do the same thing. It's just get players in cheap and then sell them off. And Scotland as well with Celtic and Rangers. I just think that... Portuguese football is just in that kind of level just underneath the, the, the bigger leagues, which kinda of sucks for them because Porto like is obviously like such a huge club and way better than Benfica. So, um, (laughs) (laughs) who
2: can kick him out from the channel? We could just like continue the interview if you
0: want to up. (laughs) I I just wonder how Richie Ryan's going to be feeling that you're saying that he's like a dad to you. Like he's, he's not like 65, man, he's 34. No, he knows. he's (laughs) 25.
1: But honestly, honestly, for me, I met Richie, I met Richie, he's so young, but I met Richie young. But for me, Richie's, like, just the way i don't know just He's an old fool. Like he, he literally sweats just experience and just so much knowledge. Richie, for me, he's been like thirty-five for twenty years. <laughs> you
2: know? kind of like Master Yoda, you know.
1: <laughs> yeah, he, Mister oh. Miyagi,
0: you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Mister Miyagi. Oh, oh just, my God, like, that, that's fucking. Just, I, I can't wait for him to hear this. That's amazing. Just yes. so much
1: from him. I was just like Richie. Just- Amazing. Amazing.
0: So, so, so just going back to uh, to Otto Fury. Um, what was the experience like? of playing in the final against the, uh, the the soccer ball against the Cosmos and their Galacticos.
1: Yeah, I mean, it, it, like I said, um, the NASL was was a great league. The the quality that that they had was you know gig- gigantic. Um, uh, obviously, I was fortunate enough to to play with, against Raul Senna. Uh, they had great players, you know, that weren't as big. Like Ayosa um, was a left back out there. You know, Carlos Mendez was their captain. Uh, just, just, it was just so, they were just so big. It was just, the, the, the league was big. The, the name Cosmos obviously uh, rings a bell everywhere in the world. Um, and honestly, it, it was, it was great. I mean, uh, the funny is I wasn't, in a sense, I wasn't supposed to play in that final. Um, so, we had a, a semifinal at home against Minnesota. Again, I, I believe it was like 12,000, 13,000 at TD plays. Amazing. And that game went into overtime. Uh, we, ended, we ended up winning, obviously. And then just all you see is like the fans just jumping into the – on the field. You know, you see Colin Fowley like <laughs> singing. And we just had a great – locker room and just everything just went super super smoothly uh, we were just a unit that team was just a unit you know and, and obviously in that semifinal I was, an old, I was I'm going to tell you I was pissed off because I had done a, regu- a good regular season I, I believe maybe um, due to injuries because I, again the, the midfield there that year was Julian de Guzman Richie Ryan and Sinisa Ubi Paripovic and then and then you had me I, I was like <laughs> <laughs> um, look, I was, I was fortunate. was oh, not, but now that I look at things, you know, I was fortunate enough that they always managed to, in a sense, pick up an injury at different times, you know, either, you know, from two or three games, Julian was injured and then Richie was injured and then Cinny. And then I was just, I was just picking up in a sense, their, their pieces. And I pre- pretty much played every game. Uh, things went really well for me that year. Um, obviously the team went to the final Uh, I went, I came back into the, in a sense the the Canadian picture. I went to the U twenties, uh, went to their, I believe it was the Olympic qualifiers and the States, you know, I really got back in the map. Uh, I was on the scoring sheet. Um, so a lot of things that don't, don't normally happen. happen (laughs) Um, but yeah, I know things went really well and I was having a good regular season and then, you know, come up to that game. Uh, Semi final. I remember like it was literally yesterday. We were leaving. This was on the, on the Friday game was on Saturday. Friday morning in the TD place. There was like a little tunnel where you go from the locker rooms to the to the field. And I'm leaving onto the field. Obviously, you you get the feeling, you know, midweek who's going to play, who's not going to play. So I was in a sense like I accepted it because obviously you're talking about. Richie Ryan and Julian de Guzman who plays with them knows their quality. Um, and I was just like, like, I'm, I'm annoyed. I want to play cause I've been doing so well, but I kind of understand it and I respect it obviously. So it was really one of those things like I was walking down and then Mark, Mark comes up like behind me with Richie and he's like, Morrow, wait up. So I was like, okay. It's like, listen, Richie's feeling hundred percent. Julian has been playing that that time. Richie's feeling hundred percent and then he's going to play. And I was like, what, what do you want me to tell you? He's like, I, I'm, I'm all about it. I mean, whatever you think is best for the team, let's, let's go out and do it. And I remember it, again, like it was yesterday. Sat, uh, game came Saturday, I think Saturday night or whatever it was. Um, and I'm on the bench with Oliver, actually. And the first, like, first two minutes, Richie Ryan has, like, a 40-yard ball in which he's on one side. And, you know, it was just a perfect ping and all of a sudden like that happened we're like literally on that line like i see his left foot and the ball just zing literally like, six inches off the floor like the ball just zing perfectly to whoever was playing on the right side then and i look at oliver oliver looks at me and i'm like how can i even be pissed <laughs> <laughs>
2: <How>? <laughs> 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 you know? What it, am I gonna say? It was it was a brain communication, right? No words. I, I
1: look, like... We looked at each other. We're just like, Jesus! <laughs> wow! <was an> <laughs> Only four or five minutes later, you have Julian just wandering around people left, right, and still just a little. No, he's Julian's not a big boy, right? Just going at him, shoulder to shoulder, zinging, zagging. I'm just like, whenever it comes, like I'll, I'll be ready. Like, no, you guys do you. And then I actually I was fortunate enough to to get into that game, and again, like we won. So happy days, happy days. But yeah, again, going back to the final, uh, final was great. Ottawa fans were, were fantastic. Actually, they, they managed to get, I think there's like three buses out to, uh, up to New York and the, you know, the whole final was there and they were chanting and it, it was good. The environment was good. It was uh, the, culture there that Mark created, um, for those three years was, was fantastic. And they're a soccer city, you know, and, and obviously they, they, have been through, uh, been through a lot which is super unfortunate um, but I'm telling you those, those three years they had, they had fantastic players they were able to see good football and, and they, have a good, they have a good culture out there
0: so uh, we, we had Mason Trafford on the, the show a couple of weeks ago do, do you hold him responsible for the loss in the soccer ball?
1: no, no.
0: <laughs> Jesus Christ
1: it's not even that like you, you look at like who, who knows Mason and looks at that, you know, that action, and you're like, no, 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 no. Like, people, oh, he did it on purpose. No, like, if you're saying, you don't even know Mason. Mason, you could be pissing Mason off to the most, and he'll be like, okay, just relax, sit down, calm down. Like, Mason's an angel, in a sense. And a lot of people are like, oh, like, my, my my parents, like, oh, he's so stupid. Like, why did he do that? Well, you guys were in control. You guys were coming back, and this, I was like, like he did nothing on purpose like Mason's the nicest guy in the world like it, it happened like no it, it was just there it might have looked like it was on purpose but but no Mason I have again great James about Mason Fortunate enough to, to have played with him in Ottawa played against him when he was at Miami played with him at Cavs um Mason's a plus for any team that he's on so
0: just so speaking of the the Cavs there uh that, like how did you like obviously the, the club hadn't existed when you when you joined them what was it like starting off at a club like that obviously again like kind of like the Red to the Fury were from scratch it,
1: it, it was good I mean um, the, the the good thing about the Cavs there and you know we saw that right off the bat in the first season was they had not that the Cavs already existed but they had that little Foothills connection you know they had that base of Foothills Uh, where a lot of the players already knew each other. Obviously, a lot of the coaching staff knew the players already. So it was easy. Instead of having, um, you know, 25 guys, you know, go in there February 1st and let's see how this works, like a lot of clubs did, um, we were fortunate enough to, okay, well, you know, there's already 12 guys. All we need to add is eight. Those eight, they were were fantastic on the scouting side of it because they didn't only – get again good players they got good people um and that was easy to you know easy to just connect pieces left right and center a and then again i had played with ledge and edmondson oliver had played with me uh, mason had played both with ollie and i so they really connected and then again it was martin did a good job with that because martin knows um, you know, he's been in the professional side of things as a player and as a coach, so he, he knows a lot of players and uh, people think very highly of him. And, again, I'm one of those guys that think super highly of him. Uh, and with with Tommy's uh, experience too, they, they they were able to uh, to connect good people with, with, with a good team, good players, and it was just easy, right? And then the organization um, with the Cavs is, is, is unbelievable. So it, it's, it's, it's a good place to be. They've fallen short uh, these past two years. Um, I think it's a team that deserves deserves a title. They need to work for it, obviously. Um, but again, I think they, they're in good hands and there's good things coming for them.
2: So my question to you is uh, also, you play uh, formerly for Edmonton, I think, for, for a brief period of time.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, when that was before the club kind of like take the next step to move into the Canadian Premier League. then you were selected to play for Calvary. Um, was there any kind of conversations in between just to sign for your former club uh, for, for a Canadian um, Premier League? Not,
1: not really, to be honest, not really. I had, um, you know, I, I, I'm not going to say close, but I'm good with Jeff. Jeff was my, my assistant when I was at Edmonton. Mm-hmm. Um, and no, there it was just, it's, you know, natural again. Uh, I had come back off an injury Uh, I had my first surgery on my knee and again like it's one of those things like people are always hesitant oh like how does he come back or how does he do this how
2: serious
1: serious is he gonna be about you know his recovery or this and that and again if I wasn't serious about it I wouldn't be in the game for you know professionally in Canada for eight years now Um, Mm -hmm. and and nothing don't get me wrong nothing against uh, the rehab that's done in Canada but I always wanted to do my rehab in Portugal. Um, there's people here I trust. There's just a way of working completely different. Um, obviously, because we're stopped during during we we're stopped during the winter. I don't have to be with minus 30, snow, blizzard, whatever it is, trying to go to physio and coming back here. Like I said, we're we're in December and it was 16 degrees here. You know, I, I can go to the beach, do my, my fitness there in the morning, go to the clinic in the afternoon. At night, I can do the pool. So my I think <laughs> it's a lot of hard work. I do my recovery very, very like serious. Um, and again, there, there's there's always that thing in the back of the head. But today, nowadays, it, it, it's it's scary to say, but having a knee surgery is almost normal. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It, we, we got to the point that either due to, uh, you know, the type of work we do or due to the turfs or due to the studs or just due to accidents, we, it happens, right? And, uh, you know, thankfully, the medicine side of it, the surgery side of it is just so advanced that, okay, well, it's, it's another day at the office. You do surgery, you do rehab, six months later, you're back. You know, with my first surgery, at five months, I was training. And this wow. is something they say it's between six and eight, you know? So at five months, I was training. Um, even with this one, with the, uh, with the whole Corona virus situation, um, I was training at six and a half. So <laughs> it, it's really one of those things. Everybody had that in the back of their mind, you know, or oh, was more going to be back to the levels that he is or that he was. Um, so yeah, when I went back to, when I, you know, when the CPL started, there was no really conversations with Edmonton. Um, I had uh, contact with Jeff, but there was no real, real approach on it.
2: Um, also, when you moved to, Cal- uh, to the Cavs, um, how was that? I just we normally every Calvary guest that we had on the show, we normally ask this question of you know like we know what happened in the final and everything. Um, for you, um, I don't want to ask this because I want to ask more like a recent question about Calvary because now you you're, you're in you are playing Portugal Island Games live. Uh, were you in touch? With your former teammates um, in the island, you know, like a- after the season, you know, I know you're a different club, but but your heart still in the Cavs. You were part of that squad that kind of like dominated the CPL. Unfortunately, the final mm-hmm. was a different story, but but you guys were like the best team in the league. Like you guys have a system that you could be sleepy Hanover and you play the same system. You know, like Tommy Wooden Jr. with that Gucci or. Yeah, uh, yeah, like smooth just like on time, you know, like that. That system, you guys knew that by memory, and that was uh, you guys were the only club to do that in the whole CPL, I think. Add that to the system because Fort has a different kind of style of game. They go just by 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 analyzing the rival. But you guys always were in Tommy Wildon manual. You know, you guys mm-hmm. we gotta do this and this and this. So I wanna I wanna ask you to you how was uh, working uh, for Tommy Wildon and two in the Island Games. Um, if you were in touch with your former team, it's just, guys, we can do this, you know, we can win it for the first time. If you can tell us more about this.
1: Um, yeah, so I'll start with, with just with the Island Games. Um, yes, I, I, w- I was in contact with the team. Um, like I said, I was, in a sense, sup- supposed to be there. Um, I was supposed to join the Cavs last year, but obviously with the whole situation, yeah. um, and like I spoke to you guys previously, uh, things didn't really work out. Um, but I was part of, um, we have a, a a group on WhatsApp, um, Mm -hmm. you know, and, you know, things were, were mentioned there. I was part of that group. Um, you know, so I would always message the guys before the games, you know, here and there and whatever. And then again, I, I, I'm close and I, I, you know, I'm close with ledge. I'm close with, I'm super close with Oliver. Like I talk to Oliver every day about football or not. I talk to Ollie every day, you know, I would text Mason here and there, Jay Wielden. Um, so I, I did have a, a good connection, you know, uh, with those guys. And then again, um, you know, I have a connection with Richard Luca that wasn't there and we were able to talk about the Cavs. Uh, you know, Jose wasn't there also. And then, and then and again, you just – that first year was so was so intense. So we, you know, we went super high when we defeated Vancouver and then we, in a sense, hit – we didn't hit rock bottom, but we were gutted when we lost in the final. So there's just a bunch of emotions you, that were created um, during during the year that uh, you keep your friendships, you know? You know, you got a guy like uh, Dominic Malongo, fantastic guy. And we, like, still today, we have a group on WhatsApp. Dom's involved. Malonga's involved. Uh, you know, Julian Boucher, the, he was in my house um, in the offseason. You know, he came to Portugal. He visited and whatever. So when, when you have a group that, is that intense, and you know, when you go through the highs and the lows all together, um, there's always a connection. You know, there's always, a, oh, what went wrong this game, what went wrong that game. I, you know, I saw the first game of the season. I didn't watch all of them because due to just uh, you know, games here at two a.m. or whatever, and I had to have physio in the morning. So I'd see you know the the highlights or whatever it was. So I, I always kept in, in in contact. Obviously, not as much. Um, not, not i wouldn't say as i'd like to but i wasn't in a sense consistently in the group because obviously you know they're the team now right so i wasn't there i you oh, know, yeah. unfortunately things didn't work out but i'm not the type of guy to okay well if i'm not part of it why am i going to say do this or do that or good luck here good luck there i'm just like i just course, yeah. do you guys i'll be involved with you guys need me I, you know i'm here but it's it's now that's your bubble that's your team i'm completely out i'm just the guy that's on the outside supporting you guys. That's all I am, I'm a fan. Um, so yeah, I, I obviously gave the team their space and then what I always keeping in touch. Um, yeah, and then, and then uh, for working with, working with Tommy was good. Uh, Tommy, when I got there was in the sense uh, someone that was always in a good mood, um, you know, and, and then there's a, there's a Portuguese coach who I think super highly of, Carlos uh, Capelão. He was in England. He was at Sheffield Wednesday. He was at Swansea, and now he's at, he's at Braga. And he says, he's like, oh, when I went to Swansea, it was one of the best teams I've ever got. But he'd pass by the gate guy, and the gate guy would be like, good morning. He'd go to the kit room, and he'd be like, good morning. You know, the, the whole vibe was low. And then uh, Swansea went through this, this – this phase that they won. I think it was like seven or eight games in a row. And they asked him, what did you do? I was like, I just came in with a good mood. And the first couple of days, I remember Tommy's like, Hey, good morning guys. How are you? Always with this coffee, and this man, and did you guys see this? Did you guys see that? And I'm just like, in a sense, you go to work and you're like, it's a fresh air, you know? And, and yeah. Tommy has that in him. Um, but he also knows how to t- turn off the switch, you know, we're there, let's say eight, to nine, where we know you have breakfast and whatnot, you're goofing around, you're talking, you're doing this, you're doing that. Once he, you know, he blows his whistle, it's all about work. It's all about work. It's, it's okay. Well, we laughed. We joked around. Now, now let's go. Like, no, you got to get there. you got to win that 50-50. You have to do this. You have to do that. Um, and he's a guy that knows about the sport, right? The sport runs in his family. Uh, his father played. His, his brother played. And he played um and again the the british side of him that uh, which he he breeds football um really really you know it, it, he's intense he's an intense guy he knows what he wants um and i think that's the that's the main thing right as, as a as a coach what you want to do is you can know you know but the 4 4 twos and the 4 three threes and whatever it is but if you have the 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 ability to, to make your players believe in what you believe in. It's halfway, it's halfway done your job, right? If, 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 if a coach tells me, jump through that wall and you'll score a goal. And if everything that he did until that point was working out and for the Cavs, it was, then you trust him, Right. And then that's what was happening with Tommy, you know, everything that he's that he did and the way we were working and you know preseason and this and that everything was going our way obviously the player you want to win, you know, you want results. The results are coming. And if he says now do this and we did it and it was working and that's just how it went. Right. And then you have, you know, Tommy's the guy that he he's with his in a sense is his, his, his um, heart on his sleeve. He's super like, he's an emotional guy and he yells and he goes and this, and then you, on the other side you have the balance. You have Martin Nash. He's like, Hey, now we relax, you know, Martin Nash has played in finals. Martin Nash has been down one-nothing in many games. You know, and he has that calm side of him. He's like, okay, listen, now we do this. Like I remember Nash telling me when, again, when I was in Ottawa, and just little things about the games, like, Moral, you like to play short, but they know you like to play short. So why don't you just hit two or three balls over the top? Doesn't have to be t- for anybody, but next time the center backs would be like, okay, well, he just hit two, too long is he going to play short? Keep, keep them guessing. Don't, don't, don't play other people's games. You know, and Nash is just savvy. Nash is a savvy guy. He knows about the game. He knows yeah. what to do, when to do it, you know? And, and then again, like I said, he has over a thousand games between being a player and a coach. And again, he breeds the game too. And I think they're, they're, a, they're a great duo. Um, and they really complement each other. So, it it was good. It was intense when it had to be intense. It was a good time when it had to be a good time. And I, and I think at the end of the day, that's, that's what players want. They want to feel well and players like to work. Right. So it's one of those things. Okay, let's work now. Let's, let's sweat for two hours, three hours, whatever it is between, you know, videos and whatever. And then we relax. So he had that human side of it, you know, um, obviously again, things were always going well. So it's easy to, you know, to, to be in a sense, more human. Um, but Tommy and Nash, they, they had that human side to them. And uh, again, like I said, previously, players think they're entitled to more than what they actually are. Um, and to be able to have that human side to, to talk to, to express yourself, to, to have um, an open door policy is always good. And, they, and they're those, those type of guys.
2: That's great. Um, it seems like it was a great environment and it seems like it's a, a good club to work with. Um, and this is my my last question before I pass it to Anthony. Would you consider now, I know you're now in, in Portugal playing, but would it be any possibility to return to Caps or perhaps another team in the CPL?
1: Um, yeah, I mean, uh, again, not, I'm in a good place now. Um, it, it's one of those things that, if it happens, it happens. Uh, I have good connections, uh, of course. in Canada. Uh, it's one of those things I couldn't, um, it's not part of me to, I couldn't go during, you know, the, the Island games and then all this time without a club and just be training. Um, obviously I, I know my quality. I, I know I'm hungry to play. So it, this was a good fit for me. Um, and again, if, if there's an opportunity for, for me to go back to Canada, Um, I don't see why not I have a Canadian passport. I'm a, I'm a player, um, of the country. Um, there, there's there's more to just being a professional in Canada, you know, there's, there's this, you, I want to, I want the, the sport to grow in the country, you know, and if, as a Canadian, you want to be part of that project, you know, you don't want to, you know, Canada has had multiple professional leagues in the evolved field you know, like I want to, I want to help. I want, you know, this league to to be running um, for another hundred years or whatever it is, you know, obviously there's a lot of work to be done. Uh, There's a lot of things that I'm not in favor that they're doing or they've done in the past, but I mean, it is what it is. They're they're the people that are running the show. I'm just here to, to help in the possible way that I can, which is to promote the league, to play in the league and to make it better yeah
2: that's good good to know go for it Anthony
0: yeah um when we finish the show we normally just uh, ask a couple of quick fire questions but before we get into that I just had one more quick question so obviously during the island games poor Oliver had a very bad injury and it's a very lonely time getting back to rehab did you have did did you have any kind of tips for him to get through because obviously you've gone through the same thing with, with your knee injury and stuff like that
1: yeah so actually I, I was it's one of those things like I I hadn't been watching the games I must I must have watched the first game and then I went through like a spell where I didn't watch the games and I actually was watching that game um and then when it happened I was just like it, it all it all like came to me I was just like, geez like now he has to go through this whole this whole process and and whatever and I tried to get him right on the phone at that time because I knew he was going to be take his phone to the hospital. Um, he actually called me when he was at the hospital. He's still in this kit. And he's like, 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 I broke it, like crying. And I was just like, listen, now what you want to do. And obviously, you know, you, you try to act tough in a sense in a situation, but I was completely, I, I know what he was feeling then. Obviously it's never an, an easy situation. Um, but I, I told him, I was like, listen, now all you want to do is get cut open. That's all you want to do. Now you just have to get into that surgery bed as fast as possible because the faster you get the surgery, the quicker rehab starts, you know, and, and again, these are the, one of the things that as a professional league and you can't, sometimes you're not able due to the body or due to the, the, the injury itself to get surgery the next day, but you can't allow your players to, you know, be waiting for surgery for 10, 12, 15 days. Right, because it's one of those things that you're not helping the player. You know, the season's done. The club's going to go on their own little thing. You know, they're they're oh, yeah. We care about the player. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. But it's never really the case. You know, they always try and find solutions. And again, no hard feelings. It's part of the business. Uh, it's what they say here in Portland, and I think it's it's spot on. Players are gums. You know, when you don't you put a gum in your mouth. When they lose the flavor, you kick them out. That's just what it is. That's what players are. It hurts to say, but that's just what players are. Um, and, they, and and as a professional league, it's like, okay, you have to have these protocols, a bad injury. It happens. You have to be ready for it. You need to get players in, in, in the, in the, in the bed as soon as possible. And, and the thing is for me, it's like people, oh, why, 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 you know, two weeks here or two weeks there, that's, that's, you know, it's not going to hurt you or this or that. It's like, it's never two weeks. Right. Because your leg then gets stiff. And then let's say for some reason you have, uh, you start getting, the you know, liquid in your, whatever knee or leg, or you have all these delays that you can't really know how long it is going to be to recover. Some recover quicker, some recover slower. So the first step is get into a surgery bed, you know? And I told him, I was like, that's where you have to be. Like as soon as pressure, as soon as possible, like pressure, these guys get it done because you know, that that's when, 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 that process is done, once the surgery is done, then, then it's like, okay, it's game on. And I told him, I was like, and it's funny, but I, I actually like re- rehab is honestly like a very self rewarding, uh, grateful process. Because from my, from my perspective is, I went from, in a sense, not being able to shower on my, own or walk on my own to all of a sudden, you know, I'm squatting and a hundred kilos or whatever, it is, you know, and it's just like, I did this all alone. Like, yeah, the physios are there. Your friends are there. Your families are there, but it's up to you to stick up with the pain to, you know, put ice, go rest, do this, do that. And I told him, dude, it's honestly rewarding. He's like, you're not, I told him eh, take this, week by week. Don't take this month by month because if you take it month by month, you'll be like, oh, this month is never, like, never done. And I told him, you're going to have days where it's not going to be, it's not going to be good. Like, you don't want to leave the bed. You're tired of it. You're just like, you know what? Screw soccer. I hate it. I don't want to do it anymore. Like, and again, we do this, the rehab, we don't do normal people rehab. Right? We don't do what's enough to just walk around or jump and, and run. We We have to rehab to, get into a contact, get into a 50, 50, you know, like all these beasts are running at you. You have to be able to, to deal with that. And I told him, take it week by week. And all you have to do is there's seven days in a week. You do rehab seven days a week and you have to make sure that at least 75% of those days are, are good days. It's like, it's even good for you to have one or two days bad. Cause and then you'll realize how good the things are after, you know, oh, you know, it's, it's really worth it. Oh, I had such a great day yesterday. And then I told him, it's just like, just be thankful. Take a lot of pictures. Like, Oh wow. Like three weeks ago, I couldn't, I couldn't walk. Now I'm running. You know what I mean? Oh my God. Like I was on the treadmill running at 2.5. Now I'm running at five. It's things that you used to do daily, normally with no effort. But and then again you you start becoming a baby. That's just what it is. You start learning to walk again. So I told him I always kept in touch with them. I was like, you know, send me pictures, send me videos, and it's 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 good to see a rewarding, you know. Uh-huh. Oliver all of a sudden he's saying, Look look what I did today. And he's just, you know, passing a ball. And I'm just like, That's amazing. The fact that he's happy that he could kick a ball again, it just it's the best feeling in the world. So
2: he did recovery very fast though yeah like I was oh, surprised point. by the amount of progress he did I was expecting a recovery maybe two more months. I feel like he did it half time like I don't know if he did double the F or something but that guy was just like unreal the way that he recovered that that progression was super fast
1: who know who knows Ollie and he he's very very professional like Ollie even like Mason says and Richie and whatever Ollie at 20 was an old man. <laughs> Like all like at ten o'clock. He's in bed. He has his tea. He has this. Like all you see, like in the morning, you know. I used to live with Ollie, You know, all his vitamins, all this, all that, walking around in compression pants, twenty four seven. All these very professional. And again, in in the re, the rehab back home uh, in in Brazil. Um, again, not saying that rehab in Canada is bad, but they're countries that they breathe this sport. You know, it's the he's a specialist he's there with other players that have other injuries. And then you just go with the flow, right? You see this guy coming back from a knee injury. You're like, okay, well, I'm going to challenge you. And then you create a friendship. And it's just a different vibe, right? You have your family. You don't have to worry in a sense. Oh, like my knee's swollen. I have to go eat. Well, maybe because my knee's swollen, I can't walk. I'm just going to grab a, a burger or whatever it is. You know, it's like, no, your job here is to recover. You have your parents or girlfriend or whatever it is to, to cook for you to clean I'm sure they understand that it's just a phase they won't do it forever but you know it, it, everything just back home just everything just sinks in the way it's supposed to nice nice uh so
0: I'm uh, just to, to finish up with our little couple of questions here uh if you're gonna you're gonna play in a 5 side tournament from the players that you've uh, played with who's on your team
1: uh, do I have to pick a goalie? <laughs> Everybody has the same question. You can pick one or not. It's up to you. Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll pick one. I'll pick one. Um, I, I'll, I'll go with Tomu Peser, a uh, goalie I played with in Ottawa and then at NFC. He uh, played in Portugal, first division. He's a great guy. Um, I would have to go with uh, the two center backs that were super successful in uh, – in auto with me, Calvin, Cal, uh, Colin Falvey and Rafael Alves. And then I would have to go with uh, myself, Richie and Ollie.
0: Nice. That's amazing. Uh, the the Irish connection, I love it. Uh,
1: yeah. <laughs> what's your, uh, what's the favourite stadium you've ever played in? Uh, famous stadium I've ever played in? Wonderful ground. Um, I play it. No, I, I'd have <laughs> to say just no. I'd have to say just because it, it's so it, it's so historical. Está do Jamor, which uh, for the past maybe I don't know hundred years, the final of the Portuguese club is always played in. Um, so there's there's just so many stories about. it. And again, um, playing for small clubs in Portugal, there's always that cup dream. So, and be able to to play there, not in the cup finally, unfortunately, but um, <laughs> in a tournament. Uh, it was actually a semifinal of a tournament uh, in my youth. Uh, yeah, I'd say excited uh, Jamal.
0: Amazing. Um, your favorite
1: soccer movie or book? Um, my favorite book, I would say Ancelotti's uh, biography. It's good. That's a good nice, book. book. I own it. It's good. Yeah.
0: And then the final one for me, uh, your favorite career goal. I know you don't have that many, but
1: my favorite career what? Sorry, goal. Goal. Um, I would probably have to say the 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 goal against um, San Antonio. Uh, we won that game one nothing. Um, just a bunch of things that were that were made. You know, I had come back from uh, the national team. We didn't qualify, trained Thursday, Friday. Um, Mark asked me to play. I was about to get subbed off, scored, ended up having a great game. And, you know, it, it was good. It was a good feeling. One nothing. So I, ca- I kind of felt like a hero.
0: Amazing, amazing. Uh, far away there, Carlos. Okay. Um, I'm going to ask you,
2: I, I probably know the answer, but uh, the favorite kit that you wore, probably you're going to say Calvary because it has the same colors as Benfica.
1: No, my favorite kit. Um, actually, a lot of people didn't like it, but I really enjoyed it. Um, Ottawa Fury had a a white and a red kit with a little uh, color. Little, yeah, thing on, on your neck. Just half. It was half red, half white. A sleeve. You know, opposite color, red and white. Um, I don't know. I just liked that kit. It was the white shorts, white socks. It looked good. Nice. And again, it, it was one of those. One. It was one of that season that really marked me. So I I really enjoyed that kid a lot actually. Um, favorite
2: pair of boots that you own?
1: My favorite pair of boots, I would have to say, um I had these Adidas Predators when I was The so Beckham old. ones. The Beckham ones, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody I was say exactly so we were in Canada. So we were in Canada and we went to my, my mom, my, my dad and I uh, we were in Canada. My brother was was born then too. We went to Canada. We were in um, in Canada. Went to the Adidas outlet. Yeah. Um, and I saw those there. I was like, jeez, Beckham. You know, he had the whole Galacticos, big hair, all of this. I was like, mom, I need to get. And they were, they were expensive. I, mean, they were I like, need
2: I'm, to dye my hair blonde, too, because I wouldn't be like this.
1: You know? <laughs> I was like, Mom, I need these. Like, I need these. And my dad, they, were, they were like $130. They were expensive back then. And my parents weren't able to do it. And my dad's just like, my dad fell in love with the boots. And my dad's like, don't worry. I'll go talk to your mom. I'm like, Mom, need these. like, no, no, yeah, you can't. Like, I can't do it this month, this month, whatever, blah, blah, blah. And my dad's like, listen, I'm going to walk around with your mom. When you see me go to the, the register bring the boots <laughs> I love that <laughs> I love that story love walking God. around like my mom would go the, like to the, to the north end of the store I'd go so I'd be like walking around <laughs> and, walk, like, and then my mom would go there my mom was going to the register my dad was home he's like so I went there I'm like, mom please she's like so annoyed my dad's just, like laughing he's so like giving me the boots, tug the boots so <laughs> Had, had that season, you know, that summer travel season, whatever. I was, I was a kid still. Um, and I was the type of guy, like, always cleaning the boots, really took care of them and whatever. And for some reason, um, I don't know what happened. I didn't clean the boots that week. So my mom decided to put them into the washer and the dryer. Oh, <laughs> when I got from training, my mom just has like the saddest face for someone that didn't want to buy the boots. My mom like it seemed like she had crashed 14 cars, lost two homes. She's just like on the couch with the boots in hand. She's just like more like, I'm so sorry, like this happened. My mom did this. I was trying to help you out. And I remember I'm just like started bawling, ran to my room. I'm all like, no, my life is over. <laughs> um, but, yeah, but yeah, I was devastated. I never never found those boots again. Never found those boots again. We laugh about the story now, but I was devastated. Rest, in peace,
0: rest in peace, Predators. That's yeah. great.
1: <laughs>
2: Eusebio or Cristiano Ronaldo? Ooh.
1: I'd have to say a Cristiano. I mean, sure. Josebi, he's, a, he's a, you know, he's obviously, he's, he's a legend, but I wasn't there to, in a sense, uh, to see him. Um, and again, Eusebio is probably the biggest uh, name at um, a Benfica point of view. Um, There's even a
2: trophy, a cup, like a tournament. Yeah, 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 a yep. cup,
1: yeah. Exactly. But again, I, unfortunately I didn't see him play. Um, and then, I mean, Ronaldo is the beast that we all know. So Ronaldo.
2: And last one, your top three midfielders.
1: Top three midfielders. Your three uh-huh.
2: biggest inspirations that you say, I want to be like them.
1: So I had, I had this big baby, you probably know him. Um, you, you remember Lucho Gonzalez? He played uh, for Porto.
2: Sound familiar.
1: Like, yeah, Lucho Gonzalez. So he, he was like my idol, my idol growing up. Um, he played for Argentina, a big, big part of, of the Porto squad back in the day when, when they were winning titles left, right, and center. Um, played for Marseilla. Uh, he's still playing now, and he was, I'd say, my, my number one um, just because he was a, he was a big name in, in my youth and someone I always looked up to. Uh, I got to see him live a bunch of times um, during the Porto games and whatnot, so obviously someone that really marked me. Um, Tony Crows. Oof. Just because how simple, um, how simple he is, everything that he does, uh, looks effortless, just you know, so so smooth, so so easy, so clean. And Xavi Alonso. Wow. Just wow. Xavi.
2: Xavi was like i f I'm a Madrid fan, but
0: man, Xavi. I'm talking about like making the game look easy. Like yeah,
1: like it's just effortless, and it's like it's and that's it and that's the thing, like yeah. If, if I don't know, they just they're just so good and everything just so smooth, so easy going, you know, and it's just like wow. Like and, and again, these are players that they're not the quickest, they're not the strongest, they're not these Did they ever see me, built yeah. yeah, these built machines and that and that's where I appreciate it. It's just it's the game is so mental, so mental, so mental that people, you know, yeah, you could, you know, lift and squat and sprint in two minutes, three thousand yards but I mean it's, it's 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 uh it's a mind game right it's a mind game and that's the people who I I value every type of game but that I that for me a mindset knowing what to do with the ball when to do it and being able to see things you know three steps ahead is it's for me is the big big game yeah, it's like like
0: parallel would be in there with that kind of thing just, yeah, exactly. just well, this is mesmerizing. This is a-
1: this
2: is a message for uh, Mama Ustakio. If she ever listened to this podcast, she can redeem herself. Now, with the predator story, maybe she can get you the white boots of Tony Cross. you know?
0: <laughs>
1: Christmas, is, Christmas, Christmas is just in yeah, two weeks, so yeah, yeah, maybe.
2: I'll
1: show her. I'll show her. I'll show her. I'll be like, we did it. We did it.
0: Yes. He's still <laughs> not kind of talking is. to her. You're still not every, talking to her.
1: <laughs> every time I need new boots, I'll come on. I'll be like, bye. <laughs> Go the white, them. the
2: white ones of Tony Cross, you know, <laughs> you know. Bex is the past, but this is the deal now. I want Tony Cross white boots, you know.
1: Exactly.
0: So, uh, thank you so much for giving us so much time, man. Like it's, it's amazing. Um, if people want to check you out on social media um, and find out more about Control Socks, uh, <laughs> where, yeah, where, yeah, so where can they find you on social media, bud?
1: Um, yeah, on my Instagram, it's m um, dot and I'm always available. Um, to talk about football I love I love the game Um, again it's one of those things that I want to do for the rest of my life either you know as a player unfortunately I can't but you know with the coaching time the coaching side of it it's really something that I appreciate Um, so yeah again anything about soccer you know uh, playing discussing debating um, you know learning obviously there's there's uh, you know learning doesn't Occupying any space in in our mind. So it's it's always a you know, privilege to, to Talk about the sport that in a sense gives and gave and continues to give me so much um, You know on and off the pitch, you know between friendships, you know experiences, whatever it is um, And again, good for you guys having this uh, this type of thing going on I uh, appreciate the, the invitation and if you guys ever need anything just let me know
0: Perfect. Uh, Carlos let the people know where they can find out uh i see you're wearing your ds cap so uh where can people find uh, ds football and um what's the handles
2: oh yeah um they can find uh the chlorine line that that i open. it's uh ds football in twitter and instagram or facebook and uh to myself my personal accounts are in instagram is mr benitez and twitter benigolazo
0: perfect uh for the show it's uh, down the Pole pod on Instagram, it's down to put pod C one on Twitter. My own personal one is at Abo seventy eight on Instagram and I think it's the same on Twitter, but I, I Twitter I, I fucking hate so um, so, so uh, thank you so much. It's been it's been a blast. Um, good luck tomorrow. I know you're playing a game and we look forward to talking to you um, in the next couple of months and see how you get on. Cheers Perfect. tomorrow. Thank you very much thank you tomorrow. Good Cheers. Cheers. luck yeah. bye. bye thank you. Obrigado. You've been listening to the Down the Pulp podcast, recorded in Halifax, Nova Scotia. Head to downthepope.ca to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Until next time, cheers.